filters. Like, how many of you think about the role that filters play in your life? Like, how many of you got up this morning and, and your first thought was, I am so thankful for those filters that are in my car that protect my engine from, from damage? Or how about the ones in your house? Like, some of you have things called filters to help purify your water. Maybe there are things you think about, you fill up or, or whatnot, but we probably take for granted. How about the filters that are in your air purifier, if you have one of those, to keep the air pure in your house? How about uh, the filters that are in your furnace that, that help keep the dirt and everything else out? How important are those furnaces? And yet, well, you're not like me because I don't even have it on my calendar, but some of you think about it once a year. You have a date where you know you want to replace it because you want it to be really clean, but we sometimes don't really think about how important those things are. Like the filters on your car protect your engine, help it run well, help it last longer. And who of us needs another big car payment right now in our world, right? And then there's this morning. Like those of you who are sitting in here with your nice cup of coffee probably have really been taking for granted this. Like this thing that our volunteers put into that thing that goes into the coffee maker so that that water that comes through it hits the, the, the coffee grounds but doesn't allow those to end up in your cup. Like that great tasting, great smelling cup of coffee that you got today did not cause you to want to spit everything out because the grounds were caught by the filter. It was used to make the amazing coffee but prohibit the other things from getting through it. Like, thank goodness these are really high-quality filters and I know the person making coffee today is like, you should have told me I would have been so embarrassed if anyone got grounds in their coffee. He apologizes, right? Like there's grounds in there, but they don't get through it. Even when the water goes through it, and it makes it better. And that's really what I want you to think about today and the six following weeks when we talk about Jesus unfiltered. Like filters serve a great purpose. They, they help protect things. They, they keep things out, Right? They can make things better, but a filter is, serves a purpose that can be a blessing, but, but sometimes isn't. Like as great as filters are on cameras that they can block out light and make it look really good, you can sometimes use filters to make something be what it really isn't. Like those of you who use Snapchat understand the purpose. Like I, I'm not the, the greatest looking person in the world. I have a face for radio. I'm probably... But you can put a Snapchat filter on your face that becomes a horse, and none of you want to see that, right? Like filters can sometimes keep things out that, for protection, but sometimes they keep things out or make things appear different than they are, than they really should be. And I want you to have that visual in mind today because sadly, sometimes people use a filter for this. Like they let something filter God's word. Maybe it's your mind, maybe it's the world, maybe it's what you read, maybe it's TV, but, but something goes through the filter and, and if the filter's doing its job, like this one is supposed to do for your coffee, it's leaving something behind that you're not getting. In the world in which we live, sadly, filters out Jesus. 
Like some of us like potluck Jesus. Like, you know what a potluck is, right? You get to pick and choose the foods that you want. People bring their favorite dishes. They, they bring different salads. They bring different desserts. I love potlucks, and, and here's why. When you bring great-grandma's famous broccoli or cauliflower cheesy mix that everyone goo-goos and gagas for, I won't eat it because I don't like that stuff. And it's okay. I get to pick and choose at a potluck. But if you bring cheesy potatoes, and Sally brings cheesy potatoes, and and Aunt Betty over there brings cheesy potatoes, and my wife brings cheesy potatoes, I will take a scoop of all four cheesy potatoes. And I can, and it's okay. Like, I I get to pick and choose at a, a buffet, but when it comes to Jesus, if we pick and choose, filter him out, there's dangerous consequences. Or sometimes pick and choose what they like about Jesus or want to see in Jesus and, and other things that they don't. They'll filter his word and distill it when there are hard things to hear, things they don't like to hear, and things they don't want to do. Or it doesn't match with their lifestyle or their worldview. Like, I don't know what filter you, you use sometimes when it comes to God's word, but I need you to see it as dangerous because it is keeping something out, holding something back that God doesn't want to be filtered. And so over the course of these next seven weeks, we're going to look at seven different sections of John's gospel, words from Jesus that make claims about who he is, words from Jesus that you and I need to know, words from Jesus' very own lips that for his audience 2,000 years ago and for our audience and world today is still true, will be very offensive. And that's really the first takeaway I want you to have today as you're thinking through this series, getting ready for today's message. Unfiltered Jesus is offensive. He makes claims that go against a whole lot of what many people in our world believe today. He says things that are going to not just hit you between the eyes, but might cause your heart to hurt. Because the things that he says, you might not much like, you might not want to do, you might wish were not true. Like John's gospel was probably written maybe 40 to 50 years after all the other gospels. So he doesn't have a whole lot on the miracles of Jesus, on the the ministry and travelings of Jesus. He contains a few miracles, but most of John's gospel are conversations Jesus had written many years after to connect the dots, but to show you and to show me and to show believers until he returns what Jesus is, who he claims to be, and truths that you and I need to know. And we need to believe them and know them unfiltered. Because if we take things out, we let them get watered down, if we don't let them through, it'll be dangerous for our soul. So with that in mind, the whole idea of filtering and what this series might bring to you, we're going to jump into week number one because... Jesus' audience in week number one, definitely, by the end of it, you will see, would have said, unfiltered Jesus is offensive. So let's unpack John chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 25. I already shared with you the background of it, the context of John chapter 6. Verses 1 through 15, we see Jesus, perhaps one of Jesus' most well-known miracles, one of the few that all four Gospels record, because John doesn't record as many, the feeding of the 5,000. 
And in between that section and where we pick it up in verse 25, another one of Jesus' miracles, him walking on water, the disciples getting to the other side in the middle of a storm also took place. So with that background and that in mind, these people that Jesus had fed on the mountainside, they had heard him preach, they, they, they follow him uh, around the lake. So Jesus gets across the lake by walking on it, taking the boat over with the disciples who he had sent over earlier. And the next day, so this 24-hour period, these passionate people who had come to seek Jesus out were now following behind Jesus. And verse 15, it told us why. And they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Like, we were walking around the lake and we didn't see you. How did you get here? How long have you been here? When did you get here, Jesus? Like, fill us in. And here's the start of Jesus being offensive. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Like, you know what's offensive? If I ask you a question and you don't give me an answer to my question, like, how are you doing? The Packers are great. No, I ask you how you're doing. Answer my question, right? Jesus up here is saying from the people, like, when did you get here? Jesus goes down a completely different path. <laughs> and a path that calls them out. You're looking for me. You, you're following me. You're here. Not because I did, I perform, not because you saw the sign I performed, the miracle, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Like, you're here not because I did something amazing, but because I filled your belly with food. Like, you're here not because you believe in me, as Jesus' implications, even though he didn't call it out, but because you want something from me. You're not here because you have a, a deep need for what I came to do. You have a deep desire for what I can do. To which the crowd responds to Jesus. He tells them first, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Like you're here for the earthly food, there's something better, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Kind of slips through the cracks, but, but what didn't slip through the cracks was, cracks was do not work for food that spoils, because look at what the, the people say next. The people said this to Jesus in response to, to his statement, what must we do to do the works God requires? Filter. Like the Jewish people had a religious filter on called the law. And the law, they, they believed, was the do's and don'ts of God. And in fact, the law had become their way to heaven. They weren't looking for what Jesus could do for them spiritually because they believed that they could do enough for themselves. So they filtered out everything Jesus had just said once again and went right to what, what they thought were the only things that mattered from God, the do's and the don'ts. To which Jesus then says, again, not answering their question, the work of God is this. What work does we do? The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. In other words, the work of God has nothing to do with any works that you could do. It's the work of God. God who creates faith and, and God who longs for you by faith to believe in the one that he has sent. 
So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Still filtering. Like, just think about that. Less than 24 hours ago, they had seen this man take five loaves of bread and two fish and produce enough food for 5,000 men plus women and children who were there to eat and have their fill. It would have taken, one of the disciples said, half a year's wages just to give them all a tiny little bite and they had their full, their fill, their bellies completely filled by this man and this miracle and 12 baskets left over. They had just seen this. They had just experienced this. They had just been the beneficiaries of this. And now they ask this. What sign will you give us so that we may believe you? You fed us one meal on a day. In the wilderness, he, and they weren't referring to God, Moses, gave them bread from heaven to eat. Like what you did, Jesus, was really nice and really good. And, but if, if you really want us to buy in, can you measure up to 40 years of that? Like that's what we want. That's what we're looking for. Do you have the ability and the power to meet our needs and meet us where we're at and be the savior that we're looking for? Which was not a savior from sin. Because a lot of times, consumerism, Christian consumerism, is the filter that a lot of people still in our day and age apply to Jesus. Like they applied it in his day and unfiltered Jesus. You need to see it in his words, and you're going to hear it more as we go on. Unfiltered Jesus isn't consumer driven. Like consumerism can be a great thing, meeting the needs of the customers is something that you hope businesses desire, but, but you know what it, it leads to oftentimes for the consumers? It's all about me. What I want. What I need. That we start looking for and, and fall prey to me, my, and what you can bring to the table to bless my life. And spiritually, sadly, Christian consumerism sometimes then becomes a filter to God and his word. And we apply our needs from a worldly perspective. We apply our wants from a reason perspective of what we think God should do and how God should bless and how God should act. And when he doesn't, we don't like it. A lot of people will call that the, the Jesus and filter. Like, I like the spiritual things. And, Jesus, I need you to produce blank in my life. That's the God I'm looking for, the God I want. Like, these people were following Jesus around because they were looking for a worldly king, someone who could give them worldly protection, someone who could bring to them worldly provision so that they wouldn't have to work hard, that they could have everything and anything their hearts desire. That's the kind of king, the kind of person, the and that they wanted from God. Worldly pleasure, worldly blessings. They, they didn't care about the other because they believed in their heart all that was their doing. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread, still confused, still wanting the bread that they thought they needed, the worldly things, that, that, that true bread, the bread of God. But what they were missing was right in front of them was the ultimate miracle, the, the life, the person, the Son of God himself in human flesh. Which is where Jesus begins to be offensive. Like he sees where they're going, he knows their hearts, and he calls a shot. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Just like bread is essential for life, just like when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread enough to provide for our daily needs, the th things that we uh, need to have for, for provision. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Like, I am bread, but it's different. It's not what you're looking for. It's not what you're asking for. You want a miracle. You're looking for a worldly king. You're looking for someone to, to meet your needs here on earth and do everything that, that makes your life good. But that's not me. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You'll be spiritually satisfied. Your soul will be fed. You will lack nothing when that's the bread that you eat spiritually. But after Jesus said it, he basically called them out. But as I told you, verse 36, you have seen me and still you do not believe. The miracle is right in front of you, but you are missing out on the real miracle. Yep, I gave you food and I filled your bellies, but I want to fill your soul. I want you to have spiritual food that will bless you in so many different ways that leads to eternity, but you don't want to eat it. You want no part of it. Your consumer filter, the, the God you're looking for, the Messiah that you want, is a worldly political provision figure that you believe if, if you have that, you'll have all that you need. And What you don't have is what you truly do. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus said, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Like, you know how tempting it must have been for Jesus to be consumer-driven as a human being? Like, you and I are people-driven, what they think, what they care about, like the product that we provide. Like, no offense, I think about it as a pastor. We think about it as a church. We think about you. Like in your business and in your line of work, you think about others and, and, and the consumer, don't you? Like, and sadly, all too often, that temptation drives us down horrible paths. And yet Jesus says, I've not come down from heaven to do my own will, to do your will, but I'm here to carry out God's will. And God's will is to save you. God's will is to give you eternal life. God's will and God's plan, which will require my life, the very body that I have to be sacrificed on the cross, is a part of his plan. That is my will, and that is his will, and it, that's my job to carry out. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Like I sometimes jokingly say this, I played football for eight years. You know what we always did before every football game? Like I went to Christian high school, and I went to pastor school, and I played football those years. Like, we prayed. 
like a lot of sports teams praise, do you think God cares who wins the game? Like, it's okay to pray, pray for people to be healthy and pray for this or pray for that, but God doesn't care about the outcome of the game. What God cares about is the outcome of the game of life, yours, where you end up. Is God concerned when the circumstances of your life are hard? Yep. But Jesus coming into earth was not to overthrow the circumstances of life being hard. Like, I, I, I don't pray anything bad comes upon you, but when maybe you don't have and, and maybe you don't get what you think you need or not all of this life is, is easy, are you going to be challenged? By, are you going to challenge God because the filter you're working through is Jesus and, as long as I have everything else, Jesus and, as long as you keep my checkbook full, Jesus and, as long as you keep me healthy here, Jesus and, or is it just Jesus? Which might be offensive. It was to the, the hearers of Jesus' day. Like when Jesus said it, when Jesus called it out, they began to grumble. Because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Like the offensive nature of what he was claiming to be from God, come to earth, the Son of God, on earth, they began to grumble and they applied their human filter, their human reason, their brain. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I come down from heaven? He didn't fit the bill of what they were looking for. An earthly king, one who could provide for their needs. And when he made the claims about who he was and what he came to do and this real significance of it for them, they were out. They wanted a Jesus plus. And when he wasn't that, they minused him. To which Jesus addressed, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. Now he makes an even more offensive, outrageous claim. Like, no one can come to me unless God brings them in. It's his doing, not yours. Your work righteousness is not going to get you in. And even more, I am the one who will raise the, those who believe up on the last day. I'm God. Not only has he sent me down, but I am the one who has the power and ability to and will on the last day raise to life. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. What saves is faith in God. The spiritual food that you and I need is Jesus. He is the bread of life. He satisfies our hunger. He satisfies our thirst. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. If your filter is consumerism, what God can do for you here, and if he doesn't provide, you're out. You're missing out. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The bread I provide is not something that will cause you in the end to die. Like we can eat and eat and eat and you can eat well here on earth every day of your life and eventually that food will not get you into heaven. That food will not save you from dying. But what will save you from dying is eating the flesh and of the Son of Man and drinking his blood. If you don't, you have no life. And I know a lot of people have gone to this verse and applied it to Holy Communion. That has not been 
uh, done yet. Jesus hasn't instituted it yet. What he's really saying in a spiritual way is the only way for you to have life is to be spiritually connected to me. I am the spiritual food that matters. The nutrition that you need. Eating my words, believing these truths, not filtering any of them out, leads to life. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am not consumer-driven, but unfiltered Jesus, who I am, what I came to do, the will of the Father, the, the things that, that I'm going to carry out as a part of his mission, that Jesus, unfiltered, is essential. Religion can be not, not be a potluck. I'm going to talk about that more in weeks to come. If religion is all about what God can do for you here, the God that you're looking for, if you believe that, that, that you can do and you can get from God, you are going to miss out sorely because the only way is the bread of life. Jesus is essential. What he came to bring is, is essential. Like what those people wanted, a Jesus plus version of a Messiah and Savior, what they, what they wanted was not what they needed. And in one way, I would tell you, Jesus is consumer-driven. But not to give you what you want, to give you what you need. The bread of life, which required his life on the cross. And that was offensive. Not just to the crowd, the, the ones who ran around the lake, but to some of his disciples, those who had followed him this far in his ministry. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? What they wanted, Jesus wasn't offering. Because what Jesus was offering was, they was what they didn't think they needed. When sadly, it was the one thing they needed. It was everything. Life with God. The bread of life. Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, all that he was, would give life. So from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And I want you to think about that question this week. Maybe it's the action item, like, when it comes to Jesus, who do you want him to be and, and what are you looking for him to do? If what you're wanting him to be and looking for him to do is all about here and now, you might have applied a filter. Please t understand this. Jesus cares about our needs. Jesus provides for our needs. But he doesn't promise us a life without trouble or challenges. What he promises us is life with God forever where there will be no more trouble or pain. But, but the only way there is through him, unfiltered. Which the disciples got. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. You. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Like We've heard your word and, and we are not going to filter it. There is no other way. What, what, what those people are looking for is not who you are. We understand that and we know that. And that's what we need.
which is why I want to leave you with this takeaway. Like when it comes to the consumer-driven church world of today, if you're looking for a Jesus to, to meet your needs that you have applied from a worldly perspective, please hear Jesus loud and clear today, unfiltered. Jesus plus nothing. Don't add anything to him. Don't expect other things from him other than what he offers and says in his word. But when you have that math equation, Jesus plus nothing, you know what you are left with? According to Jesus' word, the bread of life, you will never go hungry. You'll never be thirsty, which means you have everything you will ever need. Because the bread that he gives is something that will always fill your soul. May God bless us this series as we consider the filters that we apply to address them so that we get Jesus unfiltered, the bread of life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your promises. We live in a world, Lord, where we, we know the blessing that a filter can be to keep things out from doing damage, but if we apply that spiritually to you and your word, we do damage to our soul. Much like those people 2,000 years ago, Lord, we sometimes sadly are looking to you for things that are not what you came to bring. We want everything here, but if that's all we're about, it might lead to nothing for eternity. So I just pray for our church in this series that you let us hear 200 proof grace and truth from Jesus. He's the bread of life that whoever lives and believes in him has life. He gives it. And that spiritual food we know is found in your word. So Lord, bless us in this series as we dig into that word even more. And Lord, we pray for this. We pray for this series. We pray for this season of Lent, knowing that as we hear your word through the gospel of John, we will be blessed.